It's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. Today's podcast is a little bit different, but you know, as Cindy says, we have a very broad concept. <laughs> she just said that to me. Though you people don't think we have a concept, we do have a concept. Our concept is whatever interests she and I, and it should be about women or women's reactions or some damn thing like that. So what we're talking about today is Anthony Bourdain. The reason why is that I bought this latest book. It's called Bourdain, The Definitive Oral Biography by Lori Woolever. Now, if you don't, if you didn't care much about Anthony Bourdain, or if you did care a lot about Anthony Bourdain, it's a fascinating book, okay? Now, Laura, the writer, worked for Anthony for almost a decade, and she co-authored the cookbook Appetites and World Traveler. So she's written this book, and after I'd read a review of it, and I'm hoping that maybe she'll come on the show. But right now the book is new and I'm sure everyone is asking her on their shows, but it's fascinating. And I wanted to read you some excerpts from it, just a couple little things. And I'm also going to read you a story that I wrote about Anthony Bourdain when I met him and Eric Repair. So let's see, how do I do this in what order? I think I'll read my story first. I think that's what I decided and, and then read some excerpts from her book. So here we go. This story is called Tony B and Avec Eric. I believe it appeared in the Huffington Post. I'm not really sure. I can't remember that far back, but I'm gonna read it to you now. I met Tony first. I did not know who he was. Macy's special event sent me his book, Bone in the Throat. They'd booked him for a cooking demo the following week. They would get me a recipe. It would be held in one of their smallest apartment stores in a mall outside of LA that I happened to call Bumfuck Egypt. The store was not busy, little crowd turnouts, and to be brutally honest, it was a dump. Even if I cooked baked in to try and reel in attendees, Wolfgang Buck could only fill a dozen seats there. It took me two nights to read his book. I loved it, and to this day, I prefer it over Kitchen Confidential. I knew from his writing that he was dark, thoughtful, and could cook. When he arrived at the store, he smelled like cigarettes, last night's vodka, and bar soap. He was tall, lanky, and had a full head of dark curls. He and his wife, Nancy, were dressed entirely in black. I knew they were from New York City. I was in a checkered sundress. It was 80 degrees outside, and I live in Beverly Wood. Anthony Bourdain only cared that I had a whole fish for him. He had been on a small book tour, and his first words were, all the fucking food stylists have fucked up my fish. Let me see the fish. I brought a Norwegian salmon, a bit less than two kilos. It was the smallest whole salmon Santa Monica Seafood would sell me. I showed him the fish. It was the only item in my disposable cooler besides some butter. The recipe card Macy's had printed said, how to fillet a fish. The text print was large because there was nothing else to use up the space. Well, this fish is perfect. Thank you, he said, beaming. I was grateful I hadn't touched it. 
Our fish was resting, still wrapped in white butcher paper. Nancy declared her intentions to go shopping and Anthony Bourdain puttered in our makeshift kitchen. In truth, long before Macy's created their home good department stores with fussy appliances, the demos were done on a six foot collapsible table with a slightly stained tablecloth. I brought my knives, a couple of cutting boards, paper towels, two saute pans, and a lot of butter. I could cook the salmon in butter and pass out samples after his demo. He told me he was meeting with Fox to talk about a possible TV show. He was like a kid in a candy store that day. His excitement was contagious. Then he asked me about me. I told him that I was a food stylist and I did Macy's demos on the weekends. It was easy and they gave me a discount on kitchen stuff. I was building my styling kit. I was a trained chef. Eventually, I told him that I'd run a multi-million dollar commissary for a catering company. I loved being an executive chef, but I had truly hated the management. For an hour, we laughed a lot and whatever he said about the kitchen, the stress, the drugs, the booze, the love, the staff, I said, okay, buddy, now add boobs. At the end of our time alone, he asked me with the cutest grin, you're sure we never slept together in the past? I replied, no, honey, I think one of us would have remembered. He was charming for the five people that came to the demo and he did sell five books. That's 100%, right? I never saw Tony or Nancy again. They had given me their emails and for several months he wrote back and forth about writing. Always signed, Tony B. Nancy told me that Tony wrote early in the morning before he went to work and how impressed she was with his determination. They were nothing but supportive and kind to me. When I told Tony that an agent, Judith Weber, had told me that the Italian market was so full of writers, so much more important than I was, and I had no way to compete, he replied, just keep writing. Later, I would read about their divorce and his statement, yeah, I've been suicidal. I lost the love of my life. When I read about his death, I was sad, but not surprised. He burned so fast and bright. Avik Eric. Cindy and I had been working with The Ellen Show for several years. A producer called to tell us they had booked Eric Repair from La Bernadette for a segment and were we available? You're kidding, right? Most of Ellen's cooking demos went for cheap laughs with strange characters, never a real chef. I knew La Bernadette from magazines. We looked him up and were so thrilled to discover that Eric was the real deal. We got to work and we were very impressed. This was 2005. When Eric arrived, we were not expecting the handsomest chef we ever met, plus polite and prepared. We had been sent to halibut recipe from his office. We shopped as always before we got to the show. We spent a fortune on halibut and orchids. I kept telling Cindy we needed orchids. La Bernadette is all about orchids. I did not know what I was going to tell Andy, the producer's assistant, about my receipts. Halibut and orchids, that was not going to fit in their stinky budget. But Mary Conley was the executive producer. I'd explained to her. She'd been around the block at least a thousand times. She'd understand. We were setting up the demo table in the craft service kitchen when Eric appeared. He had no intention of sitting in his dressing room. He was tall and slim and had the whitest teeth. They glistened like tiny stars. 
I regretted every bowl of ice cream I had ever eaten. Cindy disappeared to put on makeup. Where she found makeup, I don't know, but she did. Truthfully, we were unglued. Eric asked, where's Feta's packages? Huh? We'd asked the prop master. Sure enough, there was a huge box from his kitchen. Eric had shipped everything from his demo overnight. Pricely and pristinely packed was halibut on cold packs, his restaurant china, some gorgeous sherbet. His packing even included flakes, salt, and pepper. As we unpacked his box, he graciously said, let's pick the best of yours and mine. We had cut our halibut incorrectly. <laughs> we used his. Eric's pro tip, never use the tongs on the fish. Never, 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 we must push. You might push a stray bone into the flesh. Never use the tongs. We talked about Jacques Pepin and my time at KQED in San Francisco. We discussed the Food Network and how they thought Eric's accent would hold him back. For crying out loud, leave perfect alone. We talked about chefs and drinking and hopefully that our livers would last. Wardrobe had taken his chef jacket. They thought it was too white. They thought they might soak it in a tea bath. Again, leave perfect alone. At the last minute, one of the producers arrived to tell us they weren't sure he should cook the fish. Alan had voiced Dory in Finding Nemo, and she was rethinking eating fish. At this moment, I was rethinking my entire career path, but I explained to the producer that Eric had the best fish restaurant in the United States, and he had to cook the fish. Don't ask me why, but that flew. It was a darling segment. Ellen actually appeared to have a little fun. Ellen never liked cooking segments, maybe just not funny enough for her, maybe because she doesn't cook. A year later, I was on my own book tour, including an SMT and a TV appearance in New York. A friend of mine who happened to be Eric's publicist arranged a dinner reservation for me and my agent, Martha, at his restaurant. Only in New York can you arrive on a Tuesday night to find one of the world's finest restaurants full and bustling with beautiful people. We were treated like princesses, a dozen courses of finely prepared food and paired wines, for a fleeting moment, I thought maybe I could sleep in the bathroom overnight and move to New York and get a job at La Den. I believe that's why you tell you, they tell you not to drink and hide. When the beauty and bounty were over, our waiter brought the bill, but there was no bill. Chef Eric had comped us the entire dinner. It is one of the nicest and kindest memories to hold. Martha and I left all the cash we had for a tip and thanked everyone in our poorly pronounced French. Adieu, Chef Eric. It was months before I copped up the truth to Cindy that Martha and I had had dinner at La Bernadette. I'm a chicken. She's tiny but mighty. I was scared. When I had heard that Tony B. suicide was confirmed, I could only think of Eric Repair, his friend, finding him in France and having to get Tony B. home. The sparkle had ended there. Now, I'm just going to read. Really, I can't say enough nice things about this book. And if you have questions, I'll, if I didn't say this before, Bourdain, The Definitive Autobiography, what Lori did, oh, there must be 50 contributors. These are people that knew Tony Bourdain, that knew uh, relatives of him, executives that knew him, all sorts of people, people that work for him. 
um, a long time ago. And they all, all it is is paragraphs that they wrote and she put them all together. It's a very, and I've seen several books coming out like this now. It's a very interesting new thing in publishing. So I wanna read first, just this paragraph from Eric Repair. And Eric appears throughout the book in different places. Eric Repair. It's interesting because with Tony, he would say a lot of nice things about other people. And he would be almost obsessed about certain people whom he will meet in his life. And he would create a portrait of them that would be very complimentary and so on. With me, we would never speak about Bernadette and never say anything nice or bad but he would totally ignore the subject of La Bernadette and ignore the subject of my career or accomplishments. So we would actually have a relationship that would be very interesting because we will not speak about those things. I think in a sense it was good because it gave space to speak about other topics. I just think that's a fascinating, fascinating paragraph. Then I have this. This paragraph from his second wife, Octavia Busia Bourdain. Tony would joke about everything, but he was much darker in the last year or so of his life. I stopped watching the shows towards the end because I could not really recognize him. I didn't know. It was just really strange seeing him, like he was not the same person anymore. And then I have a quote from Nigella Lawson who Cindy and I worked with many times, Nigel Lawson. His attachments with people, once he liked you and you were doing something together, there would be a very firm attachment. But it's not the same thing as just you both lying on a different sofa having a talk about nothing. Our friendship was very much based on being in the same place at the same time for a joint purpose. I was a close friend in the sense that I think we both felt very warmly about one another, but we didn't see each other outside of those times, which isn't to say that that's a fake friendship at all. I think that was very much the pattern of his friendships. So anyway, that's all I'm gonna read out of uh, Lori's book. I just wanna share it with people. But when you read the entire thing, if you've had questions or, I don't know. I know people, so many people felt so attached to him and so close to him and still feel devastated by his demise, by his death. But I think that this book answers a lot of questions. I think it's a real insight to who he was and what made him such a great writer and made him really a cultural icon in his lifetime. So anyway, I'm hoping that we'll have Lori on the show sometime and she'll answer any questions for us, but that's it. I just think it's, I think that it, it's an enormous book that this young woman put together and uh, I'm glad I bought it. And I think it would make a fabulous Christmas present for people that have been Anthony Bourdain fans. It's not a downer. It's really kind of a roadmap, if that makes sense. At least that's what I felt. And of course... I'm speaking from someone who was not close to him, but was lucky enough to be in his orbit one day. And then for a few months, he was so generous with his time emailing me. Okay. Now we're hoping to have so many exciting guests coming up in the future. And we've had, we've recently, I 
Oh, I just, we've had people reach out to us and we're going to take their hands and I hope they'll be on the podcast. So thank you for everyone that writes us and sends us messages or texts. Reach out to us. It's a woman beyond a certain age, our Facebook page and women beyond at iCloud.com. If you want to leave us a message. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you again. And thank you, Miss Cindy, for everything you do. And just let me say, you were so guilty you gave yourself away. <laughs> oh, when I told you finally about the dinner? Before then, you were acting so squirrely. I knew something was up. It took you forever to admit that because I'm not green about many things, but I turned green over that. Oh, oh I knew oh, it. My now, let me tell you you and I, I think the reason we worked together for 20 years is we don't feel jealous of each other. Do you know what I mean? We didn't have that. We, we have a very honest relationship. But I'm sure when I got back from New York and was telling you detail after detail about what I'd done, and then all of a sudden, which was priceless, I loved Martha's reaction. So we're sitting in La Bernadette. Thank you for reminding me. But Cindy, I didn't want to tell you because I knew... It was so wrong that I went there without you. I was so guilty, but not guilty enough that I didn't go. Uh, so we're in the restaurant. And of course, Eric, so we're getting all that we don't know at this time. He's comping the whole thing. We didn't, we never expected that. Oh my God, how do you comp a meal like that? Do you know what I mean? You and I, if I remember, we had helped him two or three times on Ellen. So he did know us. Do you know what I mean? And anyway, he came out, dining room is packed. And he comes to Martha's and my table because I had brought him one of our books, Do It For Less Parties. And he took, brought it out of the kitchen. He had it and he brought it out and he was pretending to weigh it. He said, oh my goodness, this is heavy. And he was being just absolutely charming about how, and it, that his assistant had loved the book so much. She was a little younger. She didn't know how to cook. She thought it was the greatest cookbook. It was so incredible that he was so polite and kind. But then Martha, of course, turns around <laughs> to almost the entire dining room because everyone's eyes are on us because Eric has come out of the kitchen. And Martha says, can you believe this? Is everybody looking? This is my friend Denise and I'm, her, I'm, a, I'm an agent and Eric, Jeff Eric just can't talk, say enough nice things about our book and he's with us <laughs> and she's just, <laughs> I've never seen, you know, because Martha is not like that. It was giddy. She was giddy. We were all giddy. And I, and the other thing is that Martha has one glass of champagne like you, Cindy, and stops, which leaves me all those extra glasses of <laughs> I could, it was a memorable night, one of the nicest times I've ever had because it was so, it was just generous. There was no other way to describe it. It was just, and I'm so sorry that you couldn't have been there. <laughs> That's okay. I would have gone if you weren't there. So <laughs> good. That good. makes me feel better. Well, thank you, everyone. And thank you, Miss Cindy. And we'll see you in another podcast. Bye bye.